It is fall, and it is one of my favorite times of the year. The leaves falling, the pumpkin spice out, lots of events and different things you can do throughout the course of the fall with Christmas and Thanksgiving and everything on the horizon. But you know what else it is? It's church planning season, and I love church planning season. And maybe you love it too with me, and maybe you don't. But that's okay, because at the end of the day, we all have to plan for our next year. And my question today is, is your budget for next year, is it ready to go? Have you thought through it? Is it prepared? Is it positioned to help you not only make it, not just get by, not just make sure you end in the black, but to maximize it as much as possible and to get the most out of it so your church, your ministries, your staff, your volunteers can have a great year in next year by reaching the community and making an impact. Is your budget ready? Well, today I'm going to help you with a few guidelines on how you can get your budget ready for next year and be successful with the finances God has blessed you with. So let's get started. So the big question is this, how do pastors like us who remain focused on the mission of Jesus and serving our communities without being distracted by everything in the world around us, how do we increase our effectiveness while living a lifestyle that doesn't compromise our health, our families, or our personal relationships with Jesus? That's the question this podcast is going to answer. I'm Dr. Brandon Party Cooper, and welcome to the Ministry Hackers Podcast. Welcome to this episode of the Ministry Hackers Podcast. I hope you're doing wonderfully. I am doing great. I'm so excited that fall is here. Football is on. My Chiefs are doing well. I have my uh, mint tea ready to go and ready to get me through the morning. And I just hope you're doing well. I hope you are ready for today, ready for your week, and ready to see what God is going to do in you and through you. And I'm glad that you're here. Thank you so much for being a part of the Ministry Hackers podcast today. Uh, we have taken a few weeks off these last few weeks to get ready for the fall, um, to prepare, and to really come into this fall with lots of great resources and opportunities and things to help you as a pastor and ministry leader to live your best life possible. That's our goal. That's what we focus on is helping you live your best life possible. And whatever that means, whether that's spending time with your family, your friends, whether it's traveling, whether it's studying more, maybe it's getting that degree that you've always wanted to do. Maybe it's taking that trip that you've always thought about. We want to help you get there. And so I'm so glad that you're here in this podcast, spending time with me. Now, what I want to do is I want to start off by giving you uh, a free guide. This is a guide that's going to kind of walk you through what it looks like to live your dream life in ministry. And so what I want you to do is I want you to go to brandonpartycooper.com slash more time, more money. And what this is going to do is it's going to walk you step by step through how you can go from pastoring the way you are today, where you maybe you feel anxious, overwhelmed. Maybe you feel like you just can't get ahead. Maybe you, you, you struggle with having time at home with your family. Uh, or maybe you just don't feel like you have a lot of alone time, personal time, time where you can invest in yourself and live a healthy lifestyle. This guide is going to walk you step by step on how you can change that and live a ministry lifestyle where you are healthy and taking care of yourself, where you're spending time with your family and those who matter most, but at the same time, pastoring a growing church and a growing ministry and doing all the things that God has called you to do. I don't think those two things should be as opposite ends of we opposite ends of things as we tend to um, have them sometimes. I know for me, in you know all my years of ministry, there was a constant challenge of living this balanced lifestyle. And I want to help you find your balanced lifestyle, living that dream life. And so go to brandonpartycooper.com slash more time, more money, 
so that you can begin the journey on living that dream life in ministry. All right. Again, brandonpartycooper.com slash more time, more money, and you'll get your free guide step-by-step, show you exactly how to get there starting today. All right. Okay. So we're talking about church planning season, and we're talking about budgets today. Now, as an executive pastor, one of my roles uh, was to manage not only my own budget, which I had to do in all my other years of ministry, but now my job was to manage everybody else's budget. And most of the staff members had never really learned how to develop a budget. Um, They had managed a budget, you know, a little bit over the years, but it was creating one that was challenging for them. How did they look ahead and plan out for the next year? Um, You know, some churches that they had been in, they were just given, here's you know, this lump sum of money. And when that's gone, it's gone and you can do whatever you want with it. Um, but just, you know, manage it throughout the course of the year. They didn't really have a budget. They just had money and whenever, you know, whatever they wanted to do with it, they did it. And when the money was gone, they, you know, they were just out the rest of the year. And so when I stepped into the executive pastor role and, and brought the staff together, I said, okay, guys, we are going to build a budget for next year. And we're going to build a budget, not only that's going to get us by, We're not going to build a budget that's going to just make sure that we don't end up in the red. We're not going to play defense. We're going to play offense. We're going to say, okay, what do I want to accomplish in the next year? And how am I going to get there with the, with the budget that I've been given? And so I'm going to walk you through today, the steps that I took them through and some guidelines that I gave them in the process to really help us as a church and as, um, as a collective team of pastors and ministry leaders, how we were able to build a budget that was effective, that was helpful, and that also equipped us to do the things that we really wanted to do in the coming years or in the coming year. And so, um, and so the way I managed the church planning season for us is there were three phases, really. There was the budget phase, there was the calendar phase, and then there was a sermon planning phase. And I'm just going to walk through the budget phase, but I want to give you an overview of how the budget phase fit into the overall scheme. What we would do is we would start budgeting early. We would usually start in the beginning to mid-August. And I would say, okay, we're going to do three rounds of budgets. The first round is a dream round. You can do whatever you want. You can think of anything that you want to do. If you're the worship pastor, think of all the equipment that you could possibly need um, and just build it in the budget. Don't worry about how astronomical the numbers are, but just dream about what you could do, what you would want to do in this coming year. Now, at first blush, this may seem like a waste of time, but let me help you understand the the thought process. One of the things that we as church leaders and pastors, what we tend to do is we tend to get in these ruts of, you know, we do the same thing. We have the same events each year. You know, we get in this routine and every year becomes, you know, similar to the last year with just minor tweaks along the way. And part of the process or part of the problem, I think, is that we like to fit into this routine that we are familiar with and that we understand. And I think there's value in that. Um, from a time efficiency standpoint, and really quite honestly, just from a quality standpoint, if we do the same event year after year, the idea is, is that that event will get better and better over the years. But the downside of that approach to ministry is that we don't tend to dream or think through new things or, or cut out old things. We, we, we just keep repeating them. And so this phase in the budgeting process, the reason I asked the pastors to dream about what they could do, what they might do if they had 
a larger budget was because I wanted them to think beyond what they've done the past year. I want them to think beyond just what they're used to and think outside of the rut that they've been walking in over the last couple of years. And they knew, and I knew, and we all knew that nobody was going to get the necessary funds to do everything on their dream list. But what they also knew is that maybe something in that dream list would get included in the budget. Maybe they would be able to fix, you know, fix that into the budget and make it a part of the ministry for the next year. But if they were always just working from what we did last year and not taking time to dream forward, then they may not have that at all. And so, so that was the first step was the dream budget phase. Now, after the dream budget phase was completed, then we would go into the calendar planning stage and that's a whole nother process. But essentially what we would do is we would build the calendar for 2020, whatever it was. And so whatever the next year was, we would build the budget for that next year. And so what that would do from a budgeting standpoint, it was, it would now narrow down and help us understand, okay, this is what's on the calendar. This is what we need to budget for. And so now we can start working forward uh, from our budget and start trimming the things we don't need, taking out the things that are not necessary, and really kind of come down to uh, a more realistic number of what each budget should look like. So again, the youth pastor has all these great ideas for the next year, all these events that he wants to do, and all these outreaches and all these traveling trips and all these things that he wants to do. Well, now after we've gone through the calendar, and we've looked and said, oh, you know, here are things that we can't do. Those now get eliminated from the budget. And now it's time to hone in and start planning for the things that are actually on the calendar and that are actually going to take place in the next year. So that's the second phase of the budgeting process is taking the calendar events that we've agreed upon and put on the calendar and making sure those are in, in the budget and eliminating things in the budget that um, did not make it on the calendar. So that's phase two. And then the third phase is maybe the hardest phase and probably the most painful phase because in phase one, we know we're putting things in the budget that probably aren't going to make it. In phase two, you know, we're trimming things, but most of what we're realistically hoping for to, to be on there is still there. But then when we get to phase three, now we're looking at the actual finances from the previous year, our current year, and we're projecting out into next year what is actually going to happen. So let's say the kids pastor after phase one and phase two has narrowed down the budget and the total budget needed is $20,000 to run the kids ministry for the next year. Well, once we start sitting down and projecting numbers out and looking at overall budgets and putting it all together, we recognize that the kids pastor is probably only going to get 15,000. So there's a 5,000 gap now that the kids pastor somehow has to navigate either needs to trim more things or find ways to raise money or fundraise or whatever the case may be. This is where it gets difficult for most staff pastors. Well, and quite honestly, even for leads and executives, because there are things that we're wanting to do that we now have to strip away from the budget or find other ways to finance them because we just don't have it built in for us. And so, um, so again, this can be probably the most painful step in the process, but once phase three of the budgeting process is done. You have a pretty strong budget. You have a budget that has been um, gone through several times. You have a budget that is uh, pretty solid on its numbers. Um, 
you have a budget that's matching the calendar that's going to happen next year. So there shouldn't be a ton of surprises. There shouldn't be, you know, some random event popping up that you're like, Oh, you know, now we have to budget for that. Or now we have to raise money to build that in because if you've done your due diligence in the first two phases of the budgeting process and in the calendar phase, then there shouldn't be a ton of major surprises uh, in the next year. And so what that means is, is as you're walking through the year, you're not on, you're, you're not worried about whether or not you're going to have the finances for it. You're really just executing what you created, which lowers stress, lowers anxiety, makes the process simpler because you're, you're, you're just spending time planning for the events, you know, planning for the, the things that are coming, planning for the, the, the payments that you have to make and you're executing the plan that you've already created. And so even though phase three is difficult and challenging, and even for some of us can be heartbreaking because we're giving up things in our budget that we really wanted to see happen. Uh, at the end of phase three, you have a pretty strong budget and it's a budget that you can count on and a budget that can, you know, really be managed well throughout the course of the year and is going to put you in a position to be successful as a pastor, as a ministry leader, as a department head, um, you're going to be in a position to really have a great year from a budget standpoint, obviously, but then also then from a ministry standpoint, because now you're focused on executing the plan that you created. So that's kind of the phase, the phases of the process that I go through. Let me give you a few guidelines, though, that are going to help. The first one is make sure that you're investing in your volunteers. This is something that can often be overlooked in every single budget. Usually what happens is, is when staff members build their budgets, they think of the people they're ministering to. So if you're the youth pastor, you're focused on your youth, your students. If you're the kids pastor, you're focused on the kids. You know, worship pastor, you're focused on the congregation. A lot of times we forget how are we investing into um, the the team that we've built, your kids ministry team, your youth ministry team, maybe your student leaders in your youth. Uh, how are you investing into your, your, your uh, worship team? How are you investing into all the leaders that are running your small group systems or all your nursery workers? How are you investing into them? And there are two ways you need to invest in them. The first is training. You need to constantly be training. You know, I see a lot of churches that, you know, they train a volunteer on the front end and then they put them in a position and that's kind of the end of it. And, you know, maybe as things change, they say, hey, oh, hey, you know, don't forget, you know, we switch this to that or whatever. But after a few years, that volunteer kind of does the same thing, slips into this rut of doing the same things over and over again, doing the things that they, you know, maybe they want to do rather than what they should do. Uh, they slip into this idea of like, oh, I know what's going on here. And, you know, oh, you know, I'm, I've, I've been doing this for several years and I'm, you know, I kind of have it all figured out. But the reality is, is everything, every ministry that we're in is constantly evolving and changing. There's new guidelines, there's new approaches, there's new strategies. And if you're not training your volunteers and, and training them to be the best they can, then there's a good chance they're either going to become ineffective and maybe even become a little bit of an issue for you to manage because they've taken such ownership that, you know, they kind of just do their own thing now and you are having to manage how they do that and get them back on on the same page with the rest of the team or they feel like they're inadequate. They feel like they can't do a good job. And so, you know, they just kind of fade away and stop volunteering and, you know, they stop accepting the invites to, to be on the team or whatever. And so investing in their training is super important. The other thing that you need to do 
build into your budget for your volunteers is make sure you're building in team building time. Now, I'm not saying you need to take your team on a retreat and do some ropes course or, you know, some trust falls or anything like that. I'm not saying that, although all would be good. What I'm really saying, though, is, you know, go beyond just the recognition banquet at the end of the year or, you know, maybe, you know, you have some awards show or version of that that you do, you know, and those are all great and those are fun. But at, throughout the course of the year, are you doing something fun? Are you doing something that's bringing your team together? Are you doing something that's going to help them work better moving forward, increasing their morale, increasing their camaraderie with one another? Because here's the thing, your volunteers, they may work on the same team that, you know, your kids ministry volunteers, your youth ministry volunteers, your worship volunteers, they may be on the same team, but they may never interact with each other. They may be on completely different days of volunteering. They may be on completely different rotations. And even though they're on the same team, they never interact with one another. And that's a huge gap because if they can't, if they don't interact with one another, then they don't see an identification with, Hey, I'm on the same team. You are, let's work together. Let's figure out how to do this better. Let's encourage each other. That's not happening because they're maybe not even be aware of each other. When you do team building things, whether it's, you know, getting together for an event, going, you know, out for a picnic or, you know, going to, you know, some event in the city, uh, or maybe you're just gathering together for a meal, whatever you're doing, create opportunities throughout the course of the year to invest in the team building element of your volunteers. They need it and you need it. You need a strong team and a strong team needs to be uh, cohesive and, and tied to one another and encouraging each other and, 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 and standing with one another. And so make sure that on the front end, before the new year even begins, that you are building in team building elements for your volunteers so that they can walk through the next year, learning about each other, getting closer to one another, and helping each other out. So that's one thing, making sure that you're investing in your volunteers throughout the course of the year by building it into your budget right on the front. The second thing that I say, and this is what I would tell all of uh, our staff when I was the executive pastor is, is I would say your events need to pay for themselves, especially in kids ministry and youth ministry. These can become black holes of finances. Your budget can disappear in the black hole of events. And to some extent, I get this. We want to create events where people can come and they don't have to worry about paying something. You know, we want to create, especially in, in student ministries and kids ministries, we want to create events where, you know, it's not a burden on families or a burden on students to have to pay for things. We want, you know, we just want to give them those free gifts. And I think that having a couple of those throughout the course of the year are great. However, I would say a lot of times you can get sponsorship from local businesses, from business owners, from people in your congregation, sponsor those events um, so that they're not, they're not hitting your budget as much. Um, at the same time, I just think you need to charge for them. Even if you're charging just to break even, I think that that's very important because it's going to do two things. Number one, it's going to alleviate your budget a ton. You know, for a youth event, let's just say you have 50 students. A youth event for 50 students can easily run in the hundreds and hundreds of dollars, if not a thousand dollars for the event, depending on what it is easily. If you're giving it free and you're providing all the bells and whistles and giving a great experience, a thousand dollars for an event for 50 students is not unheard of. 
Well, if you only have a $10,000 budget, well, that's a 10th of your budget for one event. Instead, charge just a little bit, just charge five bucks. Cause here's the thing, students, especially they are paying way more for all kinds of things every weekend. But somewhere along the way, we've created this idea that church events should be free. And I think it, it doesn't do anybody a, a, a service by giving all the events for free. Because like I said, not only does it alleviate our budget when we charge for events, but it also teaches our students and our kids and our families and everybody in our congregation, it teaches them to place their money where value is. And if your events are valuable, if they're giving value to whoever it is you're doing it for, then charging a few dollars should not be completely out of the realm of expectation. Because <clears throat> most likely they're going to spend money elsewhere. They're going to spend, you know, easily spend $15, $20 to go to a movie for a couple hours, or they're going to spend, you know, money to go shopping, uh, or they're going to spend money to, you know, go to a local sporting event. All of those are super expensive. If you're giving a quality event and you're charging five bucks or even $10, that's not unrealistic. And, and maybe your church congregation, maybe the culture is that, oh, well, the church just gives everything for free and they don't charge for anything. Well, that's a cult culture shift that needs to start happening because quite honestly, churches, we can't afford that anymore. We can't afford giving free events. And so I would tell our, our kids pastor, our youth pastor in particular, you have two events for the year completely free. You can build it completely in the budget. Every other event needs to pay for itself. So either you need to charge a, a, an amount um, to the students that come and make sure that you're covering that. Make, make sure that you have a good idea how many students are going to come, how many kids are going to attend, uh, making sure that you're charging a, a, an amount that's going to you know, pay for the event. Um, because if you don't, then whatever you're over is going to come out somewhere else in your budget. And find sponsors, find people to come in and say, Hey, I believe in this event. I think it's valuable. And I want to sponsor that. Um, you know, I think that's a great opportunity, but I think that especially if you have a young youth pastor, a young kids pastor, teaching them how to uh, manage a budget is incredibly important for their future ministry, but it's also important to teach them how to fund things, ask for money, uh, you know, partner with businesses and organizations, partner with other people. You know, I remember when I was in youth ministry, we negotiated with uh, local pizza places and we would advertise and, and do different things for them. And they would give us free pizzas for our events. And that was great um, because it was a, it was a good relationship with those organized with that pizza company. And, and it just worked out really well. And so, <clears throat> and so I just think that, you know, making sure that events are paying for themselves because then you, your budget has a ton more space and you can do more discipleship. And I think that's where discipleship has gotten eaten up is we're so event driven and we're so focused on creating these opportunities to draw in the crowds that we're not investing in discipling our people because we don't have the money to do it. And so, um, so I think using finances a little bit more strategically in the mission that we have do the events. Yes. But have, have people have those that coming and attending pay for them. So you can then funnel money into other things that are more important, like, discipleship, like, uh, creating a better atmosphere at, at your location, you know, creating a youth room that everybody wants to be a part of, or a kid's room that's engaging and fun and safe, uh, moving money there instead of events because events are here and gone. You know, you could easily spend half your budget on events 
And if you really get down to the nitty gritty and you start looking at the data, you're probably only gaining a handful of kids throughout the course of the year for all those events and all that money that you're spending. And so just being more strategic with the money and the dollars that you have. Um, and so those are the kind of the key things, invest in your volunteers and pay, have, have those events paid for. Um, if you do those two things, you're going to have quite a bit more in your budget than you realize. You're going to have a lot higher morale on your volunteer team, which means, you know, your volunteers are more engaged. They're more energetic. They're more fun to be around. They're tighter knit and encouraging one another, which means that when people come into your youth group, they come into your kids ministry, they come into your church, they sense that energy. They sense that high morale. They sense the, the excitement and the encouragement in the room. They sense that. And that's an atmosphere they want to be in. And so, um, so making sure you're taking care of your volunteers, making sure that you are paying for those events, um, outside of the budget. Um, and if you do those two things, you're going to have a strong, strong budget going into next year. And when you have a strong budget, then you don't have to worry about it. When you have a strong budget, then you can execute, enjoy, you can have lots of fun. You can dream, you can come up with all kinds of great ideas. You can engage people. And most importantly, you can bring them one step closer, one step deeper into being a part of your church community and going deeper in their relationship with Jesus. And that's really what it's all about. Taking people closer to Jesus, growing in their relationship with him. And for us, it's about moving closer to a healthy lifestyle where we can uh, spend time with our family, spend time with our friends, travel, do whatever else that God has called us to do. And so, um, so I want to encourage you it's fall, it's planning season, sit down, work out your budget, get it ready. So when you hit 2023, then you're ready to go. Your budget is ready. You're ready to execute and you're ready to go forward. All right. Hope you have a wonderful day and I'll see you in the next episode. 